How do you teach preaching? That is a great question, and you know nobody knows. Welcome to Open to Explore, the FBC Athens podcast exploring conversations at the intersection of faith and life. This is the final episode in a series of three featuring conversations with Dr. Anna Carter-Florence, the Peter Marshall Professor of Preaching at Columbia Theological Seminary in Decatur, Georgia. Many of us have heard plenty of sermons, some which were excellent, plenty that were good, and hopefully not very many bad ones. Perhaps after hearing any one of those types of sermons, you had the question, what do they teach students in seminary about preparing and delivering sermons? This episode offers insight into one seminary professor's thoughts, approaches, and answers to the question, how do you teach preaching? Before hearing her answer to the question, how do you teach preaching, Listen to Dr. Carter Florence share about her connection to preaching and the theater. I went to Princeton Seminary, and people from New England, where I grew up, are really provincial. And in Princeton, there were a lot of people who had come from different religious backgrounds and maybe even what we might think of as more conservative backgrounds. I had grown up in a church that emphasized the life of the mind pretty much over everything else. So it was hard for me to find my place at Princeton until I got into a preaching class. And suddenly, when I was invited to enter a biblical text to begin to interpret it and imagine possibilities, what happened is that it resonated with what I'd studied in college, which was theater. Hmm. Theater is the place where you can go. It's kind of the closest thing to Christian community of many things I can think of, there's a place for you in the theater, no matter what you want to do, whether you want to be a tech person or costumes or whether you want to act and be a diva or do lighting. And it creates this amazing community where everybody is accepted and where possibilities for interpretation are celebrated. So I had been used to being handed a text, play in those days, being told to go and rehearse it, try lots of different approaches come back and show the group, and then we would together discern what the most truthful way forward would be. And what I loved and valued about that training was that it taught me there are multiple ways to look at a text, and they can all be valued, they can all be appreciated, and yet the community will discern which is the right one for this performance that we're creating together. So that was the background I brought with me to seminary, and the only place that seemed like it might have something to do with what I knew was a preaching class. Another dimension to the answer for how one teaches preaching explores the key to any and all sermons, reading, studying, and finding meaning in the scripture text. Hear Dr. Carter Florence share about the challenges she faced when teaching seminary students in her preaching class and how she approached them. Bible study ought to be the place, reading scripture together in a group ought to be a place that is the most thrilling of anything that we do together. 
my students, when I started teaching, didn't seem to be doing this very well. So I had to introduce them to the word rehearsal. So you can imagine, seminary students are very serious people. And just to say to them, go and rehearse is not going to do anything. So I had to think about a way to help us. I had to think about a process that would help us get into this way of reading scripture. And what I came up with was reading the verbs. Here's why I landed on that. What I realized is that when my students were reading scripture and I teach preaching, so they're getting ready to preach sermons, right? When they are reading scripture, they read the nouns first. And here's where they get all caught up. The nouns in scripture just snag them because they are so overwhelmingly strange. You know, you've got cubits and shekels and arcs and archangels and Syrophoenicians and Samaritans. And uh, you even have, I mean, here's a good noun. You have the seven-eyed, seven-horned, blood-soaked lamb. You know, these are not nouns that you see in your neighborhood, any of us. And so anytime we come across these biblical nouns, we have to stop and explain them. And for a sermon, for a preacher, that can be deadly because what my students were doing, they were so thrilled about all these new nouns they were learning, is that they would spend a good 10 minutes of every sermon, which would be half a sermon for Presbyterians, 10 minutes describing housing practices in ancient Israel, right? <laughs> which is not why people came. Harry Emerson Fosdick, the, the famous preacher in the 1930s at Riverside Church said, you know, people don't come to church because they're dying to figure out, they're dying to learn what happened to the Jebusites this week. That's not why they come. So I had to think of a way to get my students to stop over-focusing, that's my word, to stop zeroing in on the, on the nouns. And I started to say, okay, I know you can do all of this in your other classes and we're gonna to get to the nouns, but we're gonna start by reading the verbs first and all the other stuff will follow. And here's why. Verbs are not out there in the, they aren't another universal way. Verbs are not things you have to explain. You and I have the same verbs that Adam and Eve had, that Moses and Miriam and Ruth and Naomi and Samuel and Eli and Mary and Joseph and Jesus had, which I think is the whole point of incarnation, right? Jesus came to share our verbs. That's the whole point. So verbs are not anything you have to explain. When you read scripture verbs first, automatically you have something to say about what's going on because you know what that verb is. And when you read scripture nouns first, it lets you keep the text at a distance. You teach preaching. It's really easy to imagine what teaching Old Testament is like and what teaching church history is like as subjects. But how do you teach preaching? That is a great question. And you know, nobody knows. Even my colleagues don't know. I had a colleague say to me one day, what do you actually do? Do you teach people to talk? And I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. When I started teaching at Columbia, 97% of our students were Presbyterian. And now about 50% of our students are. Now there's a varied background. When I first started, most of my students had never preached a sermon when they came to the class. And now many students come with a lot of experience. And for some, it'll be their first sermon. So I have a kind of a double task. One is to 
create a kind of a workshop space that will meet everyone where they are. So whether you are someone who already has a congregation and has been preaching for a while and now has decided to go back for theological education, I have some of those students. And then I have students who are maybe just out of college and have never preached at all. So we try to meet them all where they are and let people kind of pick out what they want to work on. I think teaching preaching is the most interesting job in the seminary because it's the place where everything comes together. All the things that the students are learning in their other classes come to the fore right here because now you have to stand up and say what you actually believe. You have to interact not only with the people that you're speaking to on a particular day, but you have to read the biblical text and hear it speaking to you and enter its world and let it shape yours and somehow find a way to communicate and to proclaim good news. But this subject is one that is one of the few in seminary that actually has the practical component built in. Yeah, and in the way that our courses are structured, the preaching course, our students take preaching in the first year of the second semester, and it is often the first course in practical theology they take. So they're so psyched when they get to the class. (laughs) And I feel like my goal is to help them jump into Scripture with both feet and with joy and abandon and see what the text may be saying to them. I feel like most of what I do, certainly when you teach preaching, there's a lot of walking through what a sermon is and how one structures it, what are the theologies that are possible behind it, histories of homiletics, all of those kinds of good things are part of it. But the biggest part, the most important part, the part that really can't be omitted for me or that needs to be the forefront is how bravely we encounter Scripture, how bravely and faithfully we are willing to let the Word of God speak to us without bringing agenda. Of course, we bring everything that we are and who we are and all the particularities of our identities, but to come to Scripture completely open to hear something absolutely new, I think that's the primary thing a preacher needs. And I think it's what sustains a preaching ministry. I say to my students, when you, when you become a preacher, you take on another life partner. The biblical text is your other life partner. You are promising to hang in there with this book for the rest of your life. And you have to nurture that relationship and let the Spirit be a part of it and allow it to remain fresh and new. So what I hope to do most of all in the introductory preaching courses is just to have the students fall in love with Scripture all over again. If they can do that every week, if they can come to the text with a sense of joy and expectation— And a willingness to be upended, because Scripture does that every single time. It is going to take you and turn you inside out and maybe tie you into knots, and the whole process of creating a sermon is going to feel like controlled chaos. But in the end, it will interpret your life, and it will interpret the community's life together. I believe that. So Scripture has, for me, been the biggest thing, the most important part of preaching. The other stuff, It'll all come together eventually. I don't spend a lot of time with my students on 
flowery speech. I want them to be authentic. I want them to be who they are. I want them to bring a real word to real people. And we have some ways we sort of ensure that I don't grade their sermons ever because I realized that if I did, they would just try to say what they thought I wanted to hear. They would try to please the teacher instead of speaking the truth that they heard and taking a risk. And then that was sort of a bad habit to continue because if you try to get an A every time you preach, whether it's to a teacher or a congregation, you're not going to let the text surprise you. You may end up saying what you think people want to hear. So I don't ever grade their sermons. I give them a ton of feedback. I'm very honest, but I don't give them a grade. And I also realized the first few years that we had to take away the get out of jail free card that happened when students could pick their own context. You don't get to pick who's in your church. And that has just happened to you. So for this semester, you will preach to these people, which means if you don't know this group of students, you got to get to know them. And you have to get to love them because you can't preach to people you don't love. Otherwise, you just are correcting them. You don't have to like them, but you have to figure out a way to love them. (laughs) Those are two of the things I realized very early on that we had to do in order to have the students really see and feel what happens to other human beings when you preach a particular word. We have to see what our sermons do. Sermons do things to people. Um, for good and for ill. This concludes our three-part series of conversation with Dr. Anna Carter-Florence. Thank you for joining us and listening to Open to Explore, the FBC Athens podcast exploring conversations at the intersection of faith and life. For more information about our church, visit our website at firstbaptistathens.org. First Baptist Athens, we are open to love open to serve, open to explore, and open for you.